reports direct from Melbourne courtside and from our offices in New York City. It's the Australian Open edition of the Tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hey folks, Ed McGrogan here from New York with the Australian Open podcast. This is the last day of the tournament. I just wanted to get a little dispatch out to you because we could not neglect to talk about this amazing final that just ended. Um, Novak Djokovic beating Rafael Nadal. In five hours, 53 minutes, uh, the score, 5-7-6-4-6-2-6-7-7-5. Steve uh, Tigner is still at the facility, I'm sure, gathering all the the interviews whenever. I can only imagine really when when the players are going to emerge from – their locker rooms to even do the the pressers. It's uh, it's two ten a.m. there right now, and the the pair just got off the court for their trophy ceremony. I and I would probably bet Djokovic could still be on there getting photographs. So this is, as you can imagine, just um, another you know another way we throw around the term epic. Of course, it gets used all the time, but we really have seen matches of the last few years that really deserve that term. You have the Federer and Nadal Wimbledon match. You of course have the Isner Mahout match at Wimbledon, but this one gets it for its own right. It's the longest, uh, Grand Slam men's final open era history. Uh, it blew away the pre- previous record by just about an hour. Um, and, and this match had a ton of everything. It really was a match of, of, you know, just tremendous quality. I thought from both guys, um, there was very little of what I would consider to be letdowns or choking or anything like that. This was really just each player taking it from the other whenever they were given an opportunity. And there definitely wasn't too many of those opportunities throughout this. Um, you know, Nadal wins, if you can remember, this is almost like seven hours ago at this point. Uh, Nadal, he wins a very a tough opening set, 7-5. Uh, but the tide turned very quickly Um when Djokovic takes the next two sets, 6-4 and 6-2. Back at that point in the match, Nadal's second serve was the real uh, shot that was, um, I think, in the eyes of many observers, what was kind of dictating where the match went. Uh, We saw some of Djokovic's best returns at that point, um, especially on the second serve. It, It was as if Nadal was at a disadvantage before the point even began. And Djokovic ran away with the second set and re- really did look for a while like this was going to be um, a four-set affair, albeit a long one. The first set took 80 minutes, so um, but but the match was certainly quickening from that pace to to something where we're seeing kind of the continuation of Djokovic's just really advantage over Nadal, as he showed last year. Six wins, all in finals. This year, he obviously gets he gets his seventh right here. Um, but uh, but the four set, uh, that's where Nadal you know made his push and 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 took this match to you know what it became here. Uh, the big the big stats, not really stats, but the big uh, the biggest parts of the match that were playing out until this actually ended was that Nadal had saved. Um, five break points where if Djokovic won the point, he would be serving for the match. And there were three of those in the four sets, and they came at love 40. Um, Nadal saved all of them. The the third one, I think Djokovic may have been a little tentative on, but for the most part, it was really just Nadal showing that you know he was not going to cede this match despite all of the trouble he was having against Djokovic, all the previous difficulties playing him. He wins a tiebreaker. Um, he came from 5-3 down in that breaker. 
And and so the fifth set came in, it really did seem like Djokovic's chance may have evaporated at that point. Um, Nadal took a break of serve lead. Uh, and but it, it was at this point where we just saw, you know, what Nadal did in the fourth set. Djokovic, Djokovic's. I think if anybody wanted to suggest that Djokovic's play in 2011 was in some cases catching lightning in a bottle, he's you know he's obviously a great player, but I think some people want to know this year. Well, is he going to be able to, if not sustain all that, you know, keep it going as as the number one that is the be all end all number one at this point. And I think he totally answered that question today with how he played. It would have been no slight of him if he lost this, of course. Nadal played a great match. Nadal's a 10 time Grand Slam champion. Uh, but Djokovic came back in the fifth uh, from a break of serve down. He he got a little fortunate at one point. The game the the actual game eludes me, but what ended up happening was Djokovic was serving, and uh, and Nadal I believe had a point to get to 1540. He had a totally wide open court with a backhand with Djokovic at the net, really helpless, and he just pushed it wide, and that turned out to be a very pivotal point in this match overall. Um, and at that. And after that, that's when Djokovic finally, um, on his sixth sixth break point, where if he converted it, could have served for the match, he finally did it. He gets the break, and he serves out the match uh, at 7-5. Um, I, I sort of felt like Djokovic would serve it out at that point. It was... It was a match where you really couldn't predict what what was about to happen. Both guys, I think, just they're just uh, you know playing some of the best tennis we've seen in quite a while. And and with the win now, Djokovic he moves to. There's a lot you can talk about. Really, first off, he has five slams, which is actually only half is already at half of Nadal's total. And it, and that's a telling set to me. It just feels like we've seen, we've been watching Nadal for so long. We really have. He, since he came into his own in 2005 and seemingly in the blink of an eye, Djokovic who had one slam win uh, in 2008 has made a huge jump in that department. Um, he really is kind of gaining on him in a way. And, uh, and, and what in his next, his next attempt for a slam, the French Open, is going to be very, very interesting for a, a bunch of reasons. Um, he will have a chance to complete the career Grand Slam. He'll have a chance to complete uh, whatever you want to call it, the Novak Slam, the Null Slam, the Serbian Slam. This is actually how I phrased it in my pick before this term. I did pick Djokovic to win it, and I said, well, we're all going to have a chance to debate what to potentially call this achievement after Djokovic wins. And that's, you know, what we're, what we're about to do here. And, uh, you know, furthermore, I think, but I think the most telling thing about what happens next in this rivalry is less about numbers and, and more about seeing this final frontier that Nadal has. And that is Roland Garros. He's lost there one time. He never played Djokovic there. Um, or I should say he never, he didn't play him last year. Last year was, that was really the only match that we did not get to see. It was Federer beating Djokovic in the semi. So we, you know, we really didn't know what Djokovic could do best of five on clay against Nadal. He beat him on two best of threes in master series finals. Um, but that's the match that I think most people are going to want to see. And, you know, I certainly do after watching this, uh, today, uh, this was not a match, a five hour, 53 minute match that kind of dragged on. There was, 
you know, high drama, really just, you really didn't know what was going to happen. I, and I honestly did not want this one to end even at that length of time. So, so that's really the takeaway from what you're going to see from Djokovic this year. Um, I am kind of curious to see when, when he actually decides to play again. Um, and really just how he kind of treats the non-majors because at this point he's already, um, in the status of Federer and Nadal where the, really the only currency that seems to matter is at the slams. And I, you know, that's, that's a thing that might not be the healthiest for the game, but we're seeing three incredible players here and you can, you can really start to kind of decide for yourself where you think Djokovic lies um, amongst all these great players in the game. So um, it, it's a great achievement for him, of course. It, it's, um, it's something that fans of his should be absolutely thrilled with. Um, it's just a, a, a great start to 2012 for him. And for Nadal, um, yeah, this is seven straight losses now to Djokovic. This one, uh, certainly the toughest of all. Um, he's going to meet, he's going to get his chances again to, to face him. But, um, the, the comparisons that I made were in a way to what Federer was experiencing when he played Nadal and particularly in the 2008 Wimbledon final where everything sort of culminated at that point And, um, Rafa finally gained ground on him, finally passed him, um, at Wimbledon. It was just sort of a huge watershed match for him. And this one here, you know, it's not, it's obviously not at Roland Garros where Nadal, that's his identifiable, you know, Grand Slam venue. But this is a match that even for all of the six matches we saw last year between these two, this one is going to be the one that everybody remembers. And for many obvious reasons, the quality of the match, the length of the match, um, and just, uh, and we'll see, and we'll see how this, uh, rivalry continues to go. I, I, I apologize if I actually mentioned that this was a new rivalry, a budding rivalry. This is this was the 30th match these two had played. They're only 24 and 25. And a lot of people, sort of impartial observers, have have made mention of that, that that's the, really the best part of this, is that these two, as long as they remain healthy, seem to be um, will seem to be playing each other for quite a number of years now, both in their primes, and, um, and we'll kind of see where the rivalry goes from here, because this is a an ending a match that's going to leave everybody wanting more. So, um, so that's my kind of take on it. It was a it, it was a it was a final that you know, after the two men's semifinals that we had, it was something that was going to be hard to live up to, but it definitely did. It it went past it by quite a bit. It was a final that was much deserved for what we've already seen at the Australian Open. One of the best tournaments that I one of the best Grand Slams that I can remember all around, not just from the champion, but from all four of the um, semifinalists and really the whole field. We saw a a lot of great tennis throughout this and even on the women's side as well, where I think a lot of things are coalescing there as well. We're we're really seeing, I think, the new breed of um, or the new collection of top players are kind of really step into their own. um, And maybe we're seeing kind of the passing um, of the collective torch to them. So just a tremendous Australian Open and um, and so on that note, I think I'll, uh, 
I'll leave you be, and uh, just thanks for tuning into all the podcasts. We'll be back with another one actually tomorrow uh, with Pete Bodo, Richard Pegar. We're going to go over things I think in a little more detail. Try to get some other opinions on, on you know how this all affects Djokovic, Nadal, Federer, everybody. And uh, so tune in then. And thanks again for listening. I'm Ed McGrogan, Tennis.com podcast. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to tennis.com.